Hello everyone and welcome to Now You're Playing With Power, a Nintendo podcast. My name is NBZ and we're here at episode 26. Uh, I'm joined, of course, as always, by my co-host, my nemesis. Maybe sometimes my friend. I don't know. His name's Bally. What's up, Bally? Good evening, NBZ. I think this is the first time we've both been in Edinburgh while recording this podcast. I... I don't think that's true. I'm pretty really? sure. Pretty sure that that has happened a lot of times oh, uh, in the past. But we are just not going to. Uh, <laughs> but we're know. but we're miles apart. Is this thing? Yeah, it's not that many. Not that many. Not that so. many. I could totally run to your house right now and just like totally. You wouldn't get here for another probably like forty minutes or whatever. Yeah, it'd probably take me about 30, 40 minutes. All right, all right. Let's not big ourselves up here, Bally. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, let's get on with the show. How about it, Bally? What are we going to be talking about today? As usual, we've got what we've been playing. We've got your emails, and then for our third segment, it returns. Da 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 da. It is the jukebox, yeah. and this time, MBZ, you're going to be put to the test. Oh no, um, I'm afraid now. Bally showed up last time with five out of five on the jukebox, so. I was impressed. I was I've, ste- I've stepped up the difficulty this time. So oh, there's no. not going to be any five out of fives. Uh oh, no I'm chance. Scared. But anyway, well, uh, I hope you guys look forward to that. I hope you guys will play along at home. But um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kick things off with uh, the stuff we have been playing recently. And Bali, I hear that uh, you have d- divin. Should I say dived? Yeah, dived. Right, that's the right dove? word. Dove into a couple of oceans recently. Yeah. So. Do you remember when we were growing up and we did English at school? Yeah, I remember English. That was the subject. Do you remember the number one rule for English exams? Because maybe we should um, brief our audience and say that in our English exams, when we were younger, you always had to write a story. Okay. So do you remember the number one rule when we were writing these stories? Uh, don't make the ending the he woke up and it was all a dream. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens in Link's Awakening? <laughs> like, well, it's in the it's title, all isn't a it? Dream. <laughs> it's in the title. It is in the title, and it's and yeah, you don't know whose dream it is necessarily. Although, I mean, it's it's sort of your dream and the fish's dream together. Anyway, I probably anyway. should introduce this game, right? Yeah, so, so you, is, you've been playing Link's Awakening. I have been playing Link's Awakening, um, and really enjoyed it. This is a really, really, really weird, weird Zelda, like crazy. We have there's Kirby, there's Mario, there's Luigi, there's Goombas, there's Piranha Plants. There's Wait, Kirby's in this game as well. Kirby what? is not only in this game; he is an enemy in this game. What the fuck is going yeah. on? This is yeah. pretty much fucking Hyrule Warriors down here. There are like these Kirby blobs that suck you up in one of these dungeons, and they're a pretty decent enemy. They're quite cool. Um, and yeah, the chain chomps in this game are good guys, and you actually use a chain chomp um, at one point to get to the second dungeon which is pretty exciting and you get to walk around with it as it kills off moblins next to you which is pretty cool awesome. um i think that the dungeons and there's full eight of them in this game they're one area that really stands out they were really hard but 
they were never unfair. Okay, maybe they were unfair at one particular point <laughs> that we were just talking about um, before. But I'm going to bring up that point right now. Sure, actually. sure. Go ahead and tell everyone your frustrations and woes. There, in the final dungeon of the game, um, the eighth dungeon, the mini-boss has a certain move. And this certain move, that if you get hit by it, hit by it will send you back to the start of the dungeon now obviously you've, un- off yeah, you've unlocked the keys you've unlocked the doors whatever so you could still like mainline it straight back to him but it would take you like a good few minutes and i just have to say thank god for safe states because right. like i kept getting hit back to the beginning with this mini boss and it would not let up it was just that i just don't understand the design and like you were talking about warrior land 2 right. a few weeks ago and you mentioned there's a mechanic where the boss was it that hits you back well um, basically they don't kill you because there's no health in that game so mm. they knock you off the screen and you have to go back around and start again uh from the very beginning and it is just annoying it just yeah. it's not a fun mechanic it really isn't so i like i just don't understand that mechanic at all it's just horrible and but anyway from what it sounds like it's it's a very similar experience to what i had with link to the past is that the game is definitely a much more challenging zelda than you are used to right and so having the aid of save states really makes it playable in this day and age uh, and able to go back to and it really just allows us to enjoy the experience yes absolutely and Save states are the best idea, and it's a real luxury just to say, I mean, you're ultimately playing the same experience. We've said that before on the podcast, and they're just a really great idea. And I did use them quite a bit. I wouldn't say I abused them to the full, but I certainly abused them to the full on certain enemies, such as this one, and certain bosses that I was really struggling with. Um, and it just saved me a lot of time, really. I was still defeating the same bosses, but it just saved me a ton of time. Um, so, uh, about the world, right? The overworld. Yes. How is it all set up? Is it is it quite large? You know, is it what what kind of uh, areas are you going to? So here's the thing. I heard that um, Link's Awakening, in fact, originally was meant to be a Game Boy port of um, Link to the Past. Wow, really? Um, And you can tell that it was based on the design and the trees and certain aspects, the grass, stuff like that. It all looks identical to Link to the Past. Um, The world does feel really quite big, actually. It's surprising as well. And it unlocks very periodically like a 2D Zelda would. Um, Well, actually... To be, coming to think of it, I think Link Between Worlds was far more open, obviously, because you can visit any dungeon in any order. This feels right. much more like a Metroid game in that you, you unlock this item, it gets you here, unlock another item, gets mm. you to this area of the and world. It's interesting that you say the world is quite large, because when you're thinking about the kind of moment-to-moment gameplay, it's all kind of locked to like small screens, right? Because you're going from screen to screen, so it's kind of thinking about the world in tiles and in squares. Um, yeah, do you think that kind of contrasts with you know the fact that it actually has a lot of areas to go to, and you're in these really small places? Uh, as you yeah, it's about? just it it makes it it it's the clever level design makes it feel bigger, more so than the genuine size or the size of your individual screen that you're looking at, because it's right. the it's the 
it's the never-ending mazes that you have to work out um, the right way to go or certain enemies that send you back to areas, but not in the same way that I was talking about the mini, uh, mini boss, but like sort of, the, you, know, you know those Zelda puzzles that have endless routes? There's a few of those in this game which are quite clever. Um, and some really cool puzzles just in the, the, regular, the regular world. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean... When I played Link to the Past, I think the puzzles were okay. I didn't think they stood out that much. A lot of it was kind of defeat all the enemies in the room to get a key or, you know, push blocks and stuff. Is there a lot of variety there? I was going to say, if that's the case with A Link to the Past, then I think this game is a genuine step up from that. I think some of the puzzles and some of the things they've done in this game are really clever. And it's the game is so good... And this game originally came out in 1993 and was remade in 98, I think, for the Game Boy Color. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I was playing the Game Boy Color version, although I don't think they added a ton more stuff, just a couple of things, and obviously color. Um, but there's some really nice things in this game. For example, in the overworld, there are these uh, telephone houses. And any time in the game, you can go into a telephone house and you call like the guy you meet in your hometown and he'll give you a little bit of advice of what you should be doing next, wherever you are in the game. And whatever he tells you to do on the phone always helps you with the mainline story. It's always like suggesting, oh, you could perhaps you could try moving a certain something on this certain area. And you think, okay, I'll go do that. And then you do that and it unfolds the game. And likewise, in dungeons, they have owl statues so there's an owl in this game i think it's the same one as ocarina although i'm not sure and he... i'm pretty sure it is kabora gabora he's helping you out through the whole game but there are replicas of him or these statues inside all the dungeons mm. but and there's kind of reminds about... me of majora's mask that's how you save in that game is owl oh statues. really yeah so these statues are lacking beaks and basically, in the same way in any other Zelda, you need to pick up a map and a compass. In this game, you pick up a map, a compass, and then also a stone beak. And what you do with the stone beak is you walk up to one of these owl statues, and it gives you a hint for the dungeon. And, oh, wow, and it's And it's, a, it's the, almost always sort of riddles. For example, one of them was, you must defeat an enemy from on high. And you're thinking, oh, I have to, so I have to be higher up than the enemy to defeat it. And then later in the dungeon, there's a section where it gives you the option of fighting the enemy on their, the same level as them. But if you keep def- killing them on that level, it does nothing. You have to, like it said, defeat them from up high, which is just, it's like a really cool little puzzle. And these owl statues are, like I said, throughout the whole game and just really, really helped to like overcoming stuff. And while I, like I said, I did have to use a guide quite often. I was going through like really long periods of this game without using a guide at all and genuinely working out some really intri- intricate puzzles. Mm, interesting. Um, I was wondering about you know the collectible aspect here because you were saying you know, in, the, in the dungeons you have this extra thing with the stone beak. I seem to recall something about shells. shells? Right? Yes, shells. Yeah. So because I was using a guide at some parts, it revealed that if you collect, I think it's 21, 22 shells, you get a level 2 sword. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the level 2 sword defeats enemies twice as quick as level 1 sword. I, I never went out of my way to follow a guide and work out how to get shells. I just got a few on the way. And I think by the end of the game, I had about 17 
So okay. I was uh, I was pretty close to the level two sword, but I mean, obviously, the earlier you get it in the game, the more it helps you with the final. Do you think it would have saved you some maybe frustration on bosses or enemies had you gone out of your way to do that, or was did you get through it? Okay? Yes and no. So All basically. Right. One side quest that you can do in the game that I did do, because this is, it's like the the trading route. What do you call it? A trade table? It's got a uh, trade tree, trading tree, basically. Sure. So you're trading an item for another item, improving that item. And then at the very top, it becomes a boomerang. And in this game, more so than any other Zelda game I've ever played, the boomerang is incredibly overpowered. There are so many enemies later on in the game where a single shot with a boomerang will take it out when before they were completely... Wait, so it's not just stunning them, it's killing them? It's killing them. Wow. So, for example, there is an enemy, I can't remember the name of it, but it's just, it's a face, it's like a spark. Is that what they're called? I can't remember. But it, it just, it moves around the side of sides of the room, and before you get the boomerang, it's un, it's invincible. But when you do get the boomerang, it dies in one hit from a boomerang, and on top of that, when it dies, it gives you a fairy. What the fuck? So it will it will cover you right back up. I think fairies recover six or eight hearts in this game. Yeah. And yeah, I, by the time I finished the game, that was definitely my favorite enemy. Mm. They, that, they were basically smiling at me by the end of the dungeon. You're right, because they're just giving you all the goodness back. I mean, on the point of the boomerang, um, I know that, you know, the, the Game Boy was very limited hardware in terms of button inputs, right? You only have the D-pad and the yes. A and B button. So, of course, this game has a lot of, being a Zelda game, you're going to have a lot of items. So the inventory management is probably one of those things that gets the most flack in Link's Awakening, because you can only have your sword equipped to the A button, and then a secondary thing equipped to the B button, or probably take your sword, can you take your sword away from the A button? Is that possible? No. No. So the only way to do it is to cycle through the menu to change up your item every single time you need to use a different thing, right? On B. Yes. It is... Like, you don't always have to have your sword equipped. You can... You can have any two items equipped. But, oh oh my... Oh my god, do you have to swap those items a lot. For example, a really big improvement that they made for a game such as uh, Link Between Worlds or any 2D Zelda after Link's Awakening, um, I think, Oracle Games after? I don't know what they have. Yeah, they they are after, but I have no idea. But, for example, the Power Bracelet. You have to equip the Power Bracelet. Really? Oh, man. do you get the power bracelet in Link to the Past? Uh, yeah, but it's just um, it's something that's automatically on your person. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. That's so strange because this game came out after Link yeah, to the Past. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so like the power bracelet. So anytime you want to lift up a rock or a pot or... A, or I mean, um, I can just imagine scenarios where you're just like, there's a rock, then after it there's a pit which you need the rock's feather to jump over, then there's yep, like, you know, an, an enemy exactly. to use a boomerang on, then an enemy to use it, and you're just in the menu half the time, so... Yep, and it's it's the exact feeling of when you go, t- you open the fridge, and then you open the fridge and you think, I don't even know why I was opening the fridge. Right. Like, what am I getting the fridge <laughs> what, for? What do you, I need? You open, your, <laughs> you open your start menu, you're like, oh, am I even getting again? Then you have to unpause, realize what you want, pause again, equip it, and then and then unpause. And it's, it's pretty tedious. Do you think um, that was at all detrimental to the overall experience? Or it was okay? Could you deal with I it? I think it is detrimental, but I... I 
totally give Nintendo credit that there's really not much other option. They did. There's not not even an L or an R button on the original Game Boy. There's nothing else they could have done, in my opinion. So it it's a shame, but hey, it it works. It's a bit frustrating, but the game makes up for it completely. Right. Um, it's like, what else are you gonna do? So exactly. You mentioned the rock's feather. Yes. I love this item. I You get it really on in the game. I think it's the first dungeon. And for anyone who doesn't know, this is this is the ability to jump in Link's Awakening. It's crazy. It is... Zelda game where you can press a exactly. button to jump. <laughs> and the best thing is that there's so many 2D sections in the dungeons of this game. Yeah. There's so many 2D areas that link up underground, basically. And they don't. these 2D areas don't appear on the map. You just you go down some stairs and then you reappear at some other stairs and you're all of a sudden teleported across the dungeon. Effectively, they're really that's one thing is that the maps, like almost all the dungeons are on a single floor, but right. all the dungeons also have underground sections that are linked to via two D sections that are basically like teleporters. Mm. Um, and I think there's only one dungeon that properly has genuine floors. Um, but yeah, the two D sections are really great. There's like you're platforming on Goombas and like the really cool thing about Goombas is if you jump on top of them you get a heart if you just slash them with your sword you get nothing like, yeah, so it like encourages little... you to be using the rock's feather and kind of you get a little reward for being Mario right exactly. right right for role playing as it were yeah exactly and those 2D sections are so great and like by the end of the game they really get really experimental with them because you have these ice puzzles and you unlock the flame rod and you're 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 melting the ice in certain rows, but you have to basically maintain enough ice that you can platform your way out of the dungeon again. Sure. Like it, it's a really cool little puzzle, um, and I wish they'd done a bit more of that in that dungeon because you basically do a couple of ice puzzles at the end. Hmm. Um, and it, it does that. seem like uh, you know with those two D sections, they're getting a little bit of a callback to Zelda Two, right? Because you know they haven't really done anything yeah. of that sort since. Yeah, I uh, mean, since then that. Other than Zelda 2 and Link's Awakening, I think those genuinely are the only side-on 2D platform elements in any Zelda game yeah. ever, yeah. as far as I know. It's and, crazy. Uh, yeah, like, I'd love for them to bring it back and hype oh, yeah. it up a bit. I um, mean, can you imagine, like, a Metroid Zero Mission-style remake of something like Zelda 2 and whether yeah, they kind of add redefine some it? And, yeah, add Yeah, I think it could really work. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love this game um it obviously like it's i like i said does have its flaws um i've just dis- discovered my f- think my favorite zelda song of all time which is now tal tal heights yeah it's a really which great is song a really great theme tune well it's not the theme tune it's sort of i guess it is the theme tune of the theme tune of this game because this is the tune that plays when you're in the tal tal mountain range which is beside where you find the windfish yeah um like game. i said eight dungeons so much gameplay time this game took me 19 and a half hours wow that's and, wow that's much longer than i took with link to the yeah Jeez. and for like a game boy game that is just incredible and i mean i spent a lot of those hours wandering around trying to work out what i was going to do without a guide um for example i played a lot on the plane where there was no internet and i had to work out what to do next oh man can't survive without internet i tell you (laughs) like that's the great thing about this game is you'd be surprised how far you can get without any guides because of the telephones and like i said the owl statues Mm. both Mm. of those really help with this game and yeah almost seems like kind of the the pre-super guide right for nintendo yeah and i mean waking up is not the best story ever 
Um, it, but hey, if it wasn't a dream, you would have never been able to fight Kirby, or Mario sure. wouldn't have given you something, right. The, the ridiculous crossovers wouldn't be wouldn't be possible. So like cool. it's a nice get out for the ridiculous crossovers, and for this game, it works. It works supremely well, and I really really enjoyed it. Um, Excellent. I've been playing a ton of Assassin's Creed Four as well, but I've got. I think I should leave that for another time, as I've talked for quite a bit now. But anyway, yeah, no problem. Uh, Assassin's Creed Four is an ongoing project, shall we say? Ongoing so, uh, project. So, yeah. It will be get talked about. Don't worry. But anyway, all right, what great. Have you been playing. So uh, I've been playing a couple of games. Um, I, of course, I'm going to talk about uh, the hottest new release, which is Bayonetta Two, which I have been enjoying immensely. But before I jump into that, I just want to give a quick mention to uh, another game I've been playing. Uh, it's an independent game on Steam. You know, one of them, one of them indies that I am so mm. fond of. Uh, it's called Dust and Elysian Tale. And I believe it recently came out on PlayStation 4 and Vita. So some people might be playing it right now because it's, it's kind of relevant at the moment. So um, I kind of jumped into it because that was happening. Some people were talking about it. I thought, you know what? I've, I've had this sitting here for like uh, the last year, as with the majority of my Steam games. Uh, I need to crack into it. Um, first of all, the thing that strikes me the most is this game was made by one man. And it is one of the most gorgeous, uh, incredibly well-made games on Steam. It is insane that one guy did the entire mechanics, artwork, music, like pretty much everything, aside from the voice acting, which of course has to be done by multiple people. Uh, he did it all on his own. Um, and it's kind of nuts. It's it's just one of those things where you think, wow, this is like, this seems like something like Ubisoft would do. You know, like with Child of Light, it's one of those kind of uh, almost half indie games, side project that, you know, this big big companies put effort into. This is made by one man. And um, yeah, kind of, kind of astounds me. But it's essentially um, a 2D side-scrolling, Metroid-y style, kind of combat-oriented game. Uh, a lot of the characters, I mean, all the characters are basically uh, animals with voices, I guess. If you want to call them furries, you can, but, you know, whatever floats your boat. Um, What's the setting? Are we talking fantasy or modern yeah, world? Or yeah, it's fantasy. It's, it's fantasy. You kind of, Basically, you wake up, uh, you're the, this character dust, and this magical sword comes to you, and it starts talking to you, and you're like, Oh, great. Talking sword with a guy who is actually like a dog who's talking. So it's, it is very uh, out there. It's, it's very out there. Um, and, and yeah, you're, you're basically, um, you know, you, you have a kind of central hub area, which is the town. And you can get quests from there. And I actually really like the way the quests are implemented into this game because um, they really do feel like they make an impact on the, on the world and the story because there are quite, you know limited number of characters like it's not an expansive cast so you'll really get to know the different people around town and i, I guess uh, though the voice acting can be kind of cheesy at the beginning i really started to get into it and really uh, appreciate a lot of what it was doing um and so yeah I, I found that was a really cool aspect of it but you're going from area to area um and uh and just defeating enemies with this combat system that is really free-flowing and kind of difficult to get a grasp on i wasn't playing on a harder difficulty but um it was still challenging me quite a lot and you know enemies will dodge out the way and 
and you're know, kind of you know juggling people in the air i guess it serves as a kind of nice comparison to something like bayonetta that i'm about to talk about because um though it's not as crazy and ridiculous it still has that satisfying feeling of pulling off combos and getting like hits in a row and and you know building up a meter and and being able to just destroy people in in your way um and uh yeah it's really cool it's 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 just a really really awesome experience and did Um, you manage to conquer the final boss uh not yet i i do (laughs) i do want to quickly mention that because it is something that is burning through my soul (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's kind of dampening my experience a little bit of the game. The final boss is, in my opinion, kind of bullshit. It's just... Does it's, it throw it's you back to the start of the dungeon? Yeah, basically it does. <laughs> no, it's, 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 a, it's just a bit of a slog, you know? It, it, it's... Um... It's brutal, and I haven't beaten it yet. I will do. I'll go back and do it. But I'm basically at the end of the game. I've experienced most of it, and it's a very charming, very uh, really cool experience. Uh, I'd say the one thing is that the platforming can get a little difficult because uh, the way the game is is drawn, it's very stylized and, and artsy, and so knowing when you can jump on platforms and even you know the abilities that you get to jump on platforms you don't get the double jump until like the end of the game which like makes no sense whatsoever but mm. it's it's kind of weird uh, the way that they do all that abilities but you know it, it was there in the end it was there in the end so anyway yeah Dustin Elysian Tale it's a really cool game you should uh, check it out um, but uh, of course we've got to talk about the game of the moment the hot new uh, Nintendo product it is Bayonetta 2 uh, on the Wii U now uh, before maybe uh, three or four weeks ago, I literally had zero interest in Bayonetta 2. I was like, you know, it's been touted for a while. I know a lot of people are going to like it, but it probably won't sell too well. And, uh, you know, I don't know how the reviews will do. It might do okay. And then the demo came along. And the demo blew my fucking mind. It was one of the most satisfying, fun things I have played in forever. And... I I just like there and then I was like wow that was 15 minutes and I am now sold on a game I literally had no care for before um and yeah I, I bought it and I went and pre-ordered it on Amazon and um I haven't played uh you know the whole thing yet I'm maybe you know 40% through I'm on chapter 8 right now um and so far, it's just proved that it is totally worth the incredible scores that it's getting, and just, it's crazy. It is one of the most ridiculous things I have ever played, and it is so fun for it. The combat is one of the most satisfying things I have ever dug into. So, I think it's really a combination of the feedback in the controller with the rumble, the music that goes on in the background, the sounds and the sound design of the hits, and just the on-screen action of everything going ridiculously turned up to 11 stupid. It is... It's bonkers, and it just creates this environment that means I'm like, I just don't want to stop doing this. It it may be repetitive in other games. You know, beat-em-ups are not really my thing. I know they're not your thing either, Bally. You know, beat-em-ups are generally... Aside from, you know, good old Jackie Chan on Game Boy Advance, right? That's our, that's our favorite. <laughs> well, that's going back away, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, but it is... It's just so fun to do that it never gets dull and i think it really lends to the fact that every level is so different and they're always throwing you into ridiculous situations that it doesn't it doesn't tire and i am just i'm in love it's amazing I i completely see where you're coming from with the thing and i should say i played the demo earlier today and 
yeah, I've never really played a beat 'em up, and I, I visually, musically, I think the whole package worked really well. But I just didn't have the same hook that you had, especially mm. after your initial first playthrough um, of the demo. I don't know why I. Now it may be that I was just really bad at the game, and it does sound like I I am because I died <laughs> three times just in the, on demo, the demo. You died on three the times. Demo, and I could feel myself not really being able to coordinate all the combos very well, and like I I was having fun, but I wasn't like blown away in the same way you were. But but it just felt like this wasn't my type of game. But I can I still appreciate why it's getting such ra- rave reviews and is like being nominated, going to be nominated for Game of the Year by loads of um, magazines and websites so yeah i don't know it's it is just you know it's one of those things where i was sitting there or i was i basically i'd hooked up my wii u to my computer monitor because i wanted to see it on a bigger screen which by the way was a great idea because because <laughs> it looks fantastic but you're getting in all the peas yeah you gotta get on the peas come on man it's all about the peas um uh, by the way, which actually is a, is a big thing here, it, it runs 1080p and at a pretty smooth 60, which I think contributes a huge amount because, you know, that that, that does impact the gameplay and it me- makes it so much smoother um, than if it was, you know, running like dog shit. Apparently, uh, well, I actually own the original Bayonetta on PS3 and apparently the frame rate on that game on the PS3 version is horrible and it tanks really badly in places. So I'm kind of glad that I just didn't touch that because it probably would have soured my uh you know impression of, of the series as a whole but um but here it is it's flawless it is just uh completely smooth and um it's yeah it's, it's incredible so i was saying like there are levels where it's just a boss battle but when you say boss battle it, it's not something that's very uh, pedestrian i mean you're flying through the fucking air as a mountain is coming towards you and this giant ridiculous dragon is like zooming around you and the camera is panning and the music is booming and everything is just just turned up to just the stupidest amount of ridiculousness in history and i am so happy that I did not spend my money on Hyrule Warriors and saved it for this instead. Because let me tell you, Zelda fan service is one thing, but a fucking good game is another. And I would take that over fan service any day, uh, no matter what. It just. It's just so good. I'd, I'm running out of superlatives right now, because. I was gonna. Maybe, maybe this question we're about to ask you is far too industry related but do you do you see this as something that will sell quite a few wii u's like is this the game that's gonna it's gonna be you know it's a wii u exclusive there's obviously so much controversy around that with so many ps3 um and owners saying oh and how 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 on earth could this game not come out on ps4 it's just ridiculous and obviously like we've said before in the podcast nintendo were the only ones willing to to fund the project right. do you think this is this is a, a key to nintendo's future um no i t- <laughs> I, I to be frank the the thing with bayonetta is it is going to sell to a very small audience and despite the fact that it is received rave reviews and despite the fact that everyone is talking about it right now 
you do have to remember like the space that we occupy and the echo chamber that we can kind of get tied up in a lot of the time because you know to the general public bayonetta 2 means nothing you know it's not a big franchise it's not well known it's not something that's going to sell gangbusters to us and our inner circle of people who appreciate games and talk about them at a deeper level and and consume the media about them and always reading websites and videos and all this stuff, of course, you know, people like that are going to be persuaded and, you know, you may get some people who haven't picked up a Wii U yet going for it just because this game is that good. But in the end, that's a drop in the puddle. You know, that is not going to cause any sort of waves. And it's just... I, I feel like it's really unfortunate because... A lot of outlets, you know, I think it was GameSpot who said this is the like a modern classic. This will be remembered in years to come as one of the greatest games of all time. And you know, I I can generally feel that that is is going to occur. It seems like uh, it's on on that path. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of the wider scope, I yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I I mean, I am worried that the majority of Wii U owners might be like me in that they're just not that interested in beat em ups, or am I just framing it in the wrong way? I I think calling it a beat em up is a little reductive, uh, because it's I, I don't know. I guess the term An artful beat em up, right? It's, I guess spe- spectacle fighter is a lot of yeah, what and it's so say. it's so narrow minded for anyone of us to kind of put games into these genres, right? Because so so many of them cross over so much. Yeah, so all I, the time. I'm being very harsh to it in that sense. You're right. Yeah, but I mean, there, you know, there's there's uh, some really cool things in the game. There are these challenges um, where you basically have to do a certain thing. You're basically it's like a challenge room across the level. So it does reward exploration quite a bit because you'll find like treasure chests which will have items inside them, and you'll find these challenge areas. Some of them are like um, defeat all these enemies using one combo. So basically, you have to just not let anyone you. You have to hit people in a row, a combo. You know what a combo is. Yeah, I'm not trying to explain the fucking combo. Although um, I wasn't very good at them. <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, you'll get uh, areas where they'll say, you know, do this all in a combo, but it's all flying enemies. So you're going to have to be in the air a lot and try and keep things going. Um, I was using the guns a lot because if you keep that button held down, you're far away from an enemy. It'll keep the combo going. So while you're walking towards them, you can still hold the gun down to keep it going just in case. Um, oh, and, you know, cool. stuff like that becomes pretty difficult and another stuff is like um you can only deal damage to enemies in which time uh and so mm-hmm. which time is this mechanic where if you dodge at the very last second everything slows down and you're able to wail on enemies really hard but one of the challenges is you can only damage them when you're in that state so you basically are just waiting for them to attack you and then dodging out the way and, and slamming on buttons and it just it really adds this layer of complexity uh, and I know that there's a lot of difficulty levels and of course the high level play for Bayonetta people is going to be astounding uh, I'm never going to reach that uh, that kind of uh, upper echelon but uh, I'm pretty content with how I've done so far and um, it, it is one of those things where I'm like I, I never replay games but I can totally see myself going back and going through this on normal because I'm, I'm going on the easier difficulty at the moment um i can totally see see myself doing that and especially because a lot of the items are quite expensive um you, you collect like money in the form of basically sonic rings they're called halos uh, but they're basically sonic rings um <laughs> and obviously there's all the nintendo stuff in this game there's the you know the metroid the samus outfit um there's the the, the daisy and peach that link outfit with the rupees wow. right right the link one there's a star fox one and i kind of just 
I want to get those. I think there'll be a lot of fun to just, you know, dick around with those and then play some more. So, yeah, it, it I I'm I can't really be any more positive, uh, honestly. It's just um it's been a hell of a ride and I'm just really excited. I can't think of the last game that went like from completely outside of your kind of n- not knowledge, what's the word? Co- radar. Conscious radar of what you want to buy maybe buy yeah. or potentially think about buying and then it's just gone right from there to yep i'm buying it yep to yep i'm absolutely <laughs> loving it and to yep yep this is like one of the best games ever sort of thing like I've, i can't remember the last game that's done that with you like I, i'm not sure that has been i mean i i guess the last game was uh gunman clive on 3ds which i had never heard of and i was listening to rfn and johnny metz is like oh gunman clive this is a cool game and he starts talking about it and then he mentions it's like two pounds and i'm like all right i'm just gonna go and buy it right now and before he'd finished talking about it i had the game and, yeah. was and it's it. funny you mentioned johnny metz because his attitude to this game is very similar to yours it yeah. was completely off his radar and he's right and it, it, same and... same with craig harris who was on that show is they they yeah. played the demo and all of a sudden they were like yeah i'm getting this game so <laughs> I, I, it's interesting that's happened to a lot of people not to you though so uh yeah I, I i'll play the demo again but i don't i don't know I think I, you, I think I you totally need to it, see but... some more of the bombastic stuff that it has to offer, um, and and just see it I in do. motion. But um, but yeah, it so far I have uh, I've been loving it, and uh, yeah, definitely you know talk a bit more about it probably next time because uh, I may well have uh, may well have been able to finish it. But uh, yeah, I think that that is pretty much it. We've been going for a while here talking about these old video games we've been playing. I think uh, we should take a break. Uh, we are going to return with some of your listener emails, so do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we return once again for the second segment of our show this week. Uh, we are, of course, going to be doing some emails that you have sent to us. And uh, you can send in more of those all the time, every time, every day, whenever you have time, please. That would be nice. Uh, to our email address, which is bally. NYPPQuestions at gmail.com. We put out the call and we got some good ones. Yeah, excellent. Uh, we're always needing more, though, so don't just don't stop. Keep going keep going uh anyway bally uh how about you uh reduce the first one so the first question is from george how did myself and mbz meet 
so I think we may have answered this before on the podcast, but just for the benefit of new listeners and for people who maybe didn't hear uh, that episode or whatever, uh, Bali, how about you take this one? I think I was five? Um, let's say, yeah, four or five. I think I might have been five and you might have been four. Yes. And yes. this was primary one. In a prep school in, in Edinburgh. In a prep basically. school in Edinburgh. And the, the year must have been 1995 or six. 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 Ninety. Let's say 96, yeah. 96. 96. And it would have Jesus. been September. Yes. Yep. It would have been and September. And it's probably a dark, dreek day. <laughs> dark, dreek <laughs> day. And Scotland. In Edinburgh. Um, and. Yeah. So that's. <laughs> that <we've... laughs> yeah. That's... Great. Thanks, Riley. Put a nice bow and on that. That's when one. we met. Although we, I would say we became much closer friends uh, a few years later. Yeah, I think maybe a couple of years later. Couple we, of years we, later. So, uh, so basically, basically, I have uh, known this man since uh, literally I've been four years old. So that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of crazy. Yep. So there you go. And our next question is from Bob. So I played Metroid Other M a while ago, and I couldn't agree more with your take on how terrible the voice acting and storytelling are. I would rather play the game with mute and subtitles than listen to it again. But the concepts in it were pretty fantastic. Think Ridley's life stages and such. If they were to attempt to redo the game in order to weed out these flaws, do you guys think it would be worth the revisit? Hmm. I also had a question about what you guys thought of the Chozo ghosts as enemies in Prime. I have heard people complain about them since the Chozo are supposed to be long gone in a game setting like that and having ghosts in a non-horror game usually starts controversy in general alright uh, do you want to start the second one Bally? start the second one sure yeah. um, so you're talking more about the Chozo ghosts in terms of their lore and how right. they fit into the game I I can see that argument I mean it didn't bother me at the time at all Um Actually, I quite liked it because it made these sort of beings, while they weren't alive, that these beings relate to the stuff that you were reading about throughout the whole game. Um, I personally didn't have a problem with them. I I do think that Metroid has incredibly, incredibly mild horror elements, so I think it's maybe unfair to call it a completely non-horror game. Oh, totally. Prime certainly has the tension and atmosphere that you may even find in in your traditional horror games. In terms of how difficult they were to defeat, they were a right hassle, but they were good fun and but in terms of lore i quite liked them so yeah it didn't have yeah for me problems. like lore reasons really don't make a huge difference at all it's, it's a video game and most of the time i'm there for mechanics i'm not there for stories so uh it, it really wouldn't uh, make a difference yeah me, i but. certainly did appreciate the story in metroid prime for me on top of the mechanics so yeah I, i'd have to yeah. differ with you on that Alright, well, uh, about uh, going back to Metroid Other M and having Nintendo <laughs> have another crack at it. I think, right, say tomorrow, Miyamoto announces, well, it would be Miyamoto, it would be Iwata, and Iwata announces, we're making a brand new Metroid game. 
I would literally hit my head off the roof, and then the second he said, we're remaking Other M, I would literally <laughs> want to go run and jump off a cliff. Like, if the announcement of a new Metroid game was a remake of Other M, oh, that'd just be... Right, that would be really disappointing. Such a okay. kick in the balls. But, like. but if, we, if we take ourselves out of the current climate and context that we find ourselves within, as we have been starved for a good Metroid game for a long, long time... If they were to just approach this as a straight-up HD remake uh, of some sort and to change things up so that you didn't have to control it with the D-pad and they you made some gamepad implementation that would maybe make the first-person things a bit easier, would you be down for playing it at all if it were, you know, taken into a more playable format? Oh yeah, definitely. As long as it was more than just controller re- reworkings and stuff like that. It'd have to be completely redo sort of the voice acting and um, a lot of the level design. And by that time, why not just make a new game, you know? I think it would be so much rehashing that maybe even I wouldn't play it, to be honest, because it would have to be literally the difference between Link Between Worlds and Link to the Past or something. Sure, sure. It has to be that kind of level for me. Totally. How about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not interested in playing it again. It's it, <laughs> I, you're gonna I, die in a hole. <laughs> I've had my struggle. Look, the struggle is real, and it was real for four years, and I don't really want to want to tread that ground again. But you know, if we get nothing else, you know, if if they did that, something, right? You know, I guess. But, but please uh, just give us a regular 2D Metroid or another Prime style game, just or mix the two of those concepts. Like, don't go back to a broken concept. Right on to the next question from Nick. Good day from Australia, Bally and MBZ. That almost slipped into an Australian accent right there. Um, I have a question about digital downloads. I think now every major gaming family has incorporated digital downloads, Xbox systems, PlayStation systems, and Nintendo systems. Personally, I I have not seen a huge reason for me to purchase console games digitally. It eats away at ISP download limits, usually full price, takes up limited hardware space compared to a case in a drawer or on a shelf. But I do see why handheld devices lend themselves to digital downloads, being able to take your whole game library with you. I wish now that I had bought Smash digitally so that I I can have it to play when I'm out along with my current more story-based game of choice. What are your preferences, physical or digital, and for which of your consoles? Have you experienced any issues personally or heard of issues with digital copies on Nintendo systems, lag or slowdown time? slow loading times. Would you recommend that with perhaps the new 3DS I purchase a larger SD card and start my digital collection? Thanks for the entertaining podcast. Right, Nick. Uh, thanks for the email. <laughs> Look, man, I gotta get, I gotta get my attempt in an Australian you were dying accent. Just get it in there, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> gotta try. Gotta try. Uh, okay, a very interesting question about digital. Um, so, Bali, are you all digital? Are you all non-digital? Where do you fall uh, in in this uh, kind of uh, purchasing? I deal? follow whatever's cheaper. And yes. in general, at this moment in time, for us in the UK, hard copies are still much, much cheaper. And I only go digital when I'm forced to in one way or another. 
Right, especially in the UK, I think it is a big gap. When you, for example, take a look at Bayonetta on the eShop, it is £40. It's £39.99. On Amazon, it is £31.85. That's almost a £10 gap. That's like eight quid. It's, it's, it's a big one, you know? That's significant. It's not a couple. It's, it's not five. It is larger and is something that you can't really, you know not pay attention to you have to be if you want to get more games then you have to be thrifty about it right and and so it makes more sense to go physical here um so i think i mean for me the most thrifty way to go about it is to have the ability to do either or so i definitely have this ability with the wii u i bought a i can't remember whether it's 100 gigabytes or a thousand gigabytes it's 500 it's 500 all right yeah you helped me buy it i can't remember so that's how technical i am (laughs) so 500 gigabytes that can take a ton of games um i like having it First of all, because you got the free... Da- I, I have a white Wii U, I should add, so my hard drive is incredibly small. So when I got something like Mario Kart with the free download, I would have had to have had the external hard drive that I had um, to download the Wind Waker, which I got. Um, I also take advantage of the Nintendo sales, which they seem to be doing more and more of. Oh, definitely, um, yeah. And it's when Nintendo do those sales that they just ever so slightly undercut Amazon occasionally. Um and they're getting better and better about that. And obviously with the virtual console, while the Game Boy Advance games, Super Nintendo, don't take up much memory at all, they you still can't even fit many of them onto the Wii, the plain white Wii U by itself. So having my hard drive for that makes a huge difference. Um, I mean, I for my 3DS, it's a completely different scenario. I don't have a big enough SD card. Well, I do, but I've not, I'm not utilizing it just now. I'm using it for other stuff. Um, I am considering loading my stuff onto a much bigger SD card, or in my case, a micro SD card, um, so I can move that onto the new 3DS when it comes out. Um, but yeah, I do ag- appreciate what you're saying about games. Certain games like Smash Brothers is a good shout for a nice game that's nice to have always on the system. Yeah, and I think things like Animal Crossing make a lot of sense like that too. I have a digital copy of Animal Crossing on my 3DS. I didn't pay for it because it was part of a promotion that was happening last year uh, where you get a free game if you had a a couple others. I think Luigi's Mansion and uh, Donkey Kong and I got uh, uh, Animal Crossing as a bonus. And, you know, that's a great thing to have there because it is the sort of game that you want to have with you at all times because it is so time sensitive. Um, So, you know, it makes sense for stuff like that. But you don't necessarily need to dive into digital this generation. I don't think there has been a good enough reason for people to do so. Really, the only platform it makes sense on is the PC. And at this point, you can't really go out and find physical copies that easily on PC anyway because everything is so focused on the digital. Um, but, uh, you know, with with things the way they stand on Nintendo platforms, um, especially with their account system, I do want to bring this up as well because this is something that is much better dealt with by the other companies. Um, 
Nintendo's account system right now ties your games to a system and it means that if you buy a new system you can't just log in there on your account and download them because the licenses are tied to that actual physical hardware and so for example if you lose your 3DS you are in a really tough situation because you have to essentially contact Nintendo yourself get them to find out through your account what you had and if you do get a new 3DS then they will manually do it themselves there's no way for you to do it personally and you know I've heard stories you know uh, Dan Riker of Giant Bomb was robbed and he lost his Wii U uh, Johnny Metz of RFN had the flood and, and a lot of his consoles went and you know the rigmarole that you have to go to to get things back digitally these days from Nintendo is just a little bit too much of a pain and uh, it could could even be something that you're not able to do so that's something I would definitely warn against um, When you were saying that you can basically cope without going digital with Nintendo consoles. If you're someone like me who doesn't own a, a, a PC, I would argue that, that there's a lot of indie games that have come out this year. We were just talking about Shovel Knight potentially right. being a game of the year. So if you're in my position and only own Nintendo consoles, you're going to have to either upgrade your SD card or get a hard drive. I mean, Shovel Knight's not a very big game, potentially. But, um, right, but, you know, 20 or 30 yeah. Shovel Knights will exactly. amount up to something. Another you know, Trine so. 2, like I was playing earlier this year. Games like that, that if you're a Nintendo fan and don't own a PC, then you, you might still want to play them. They're great games. They're doing really well on the eShop charts. So, yeah. it, I mean, obviously, a lot of casual gamers, those games won't appeal to, so I can see why owning a Nintendo system, you're pretty safe with just physical uh, physical copies of games, but at least in my situation, I'm really loving my hard drive, and like I've put a lot of games on there. So yeah, and I mean, you took advantage of the Assassin's Creed deal as well. That was £10 on the eShop, which is an incredible deal. That was an incredible, incredible Ubisoft sale. I mean, I came really close to buying Rayman Legends. Um, yeah. Before you reminded me, oh wait, I've just got the disc valley. I can just lend it to you. So I thought, right, oh. and I think that's an interesting point to bring up as well is the idea of lending games. This was a huge thing uh, last year with the PS4 and Xbox One and the whole Microsoft uh, just ridiculous catastrophe that happened. Is if everything is digital, there is no sharing of games. You know, I if if I had Rayman Legends digitally on my Wii U, I couldn't give Bally the disc because it, it doesn't exist in that way. Uh, but at this juncture, I can. I can I can lend it to him and he can get to experience uh, the thing on his own. So uh, that's definitely another thing to keep in mind, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, physical and digital and whether you're you're kind of sharing games around with friends. So Yeah, and I just downloaded Tropical Freeze as part of a Nintendo sale and I, I might think that's a great game and I can't lend that to you. So maybe I right. should have thought about investing the extra it would have been like an extra four or five pounds i think to yeah. get the amazon version and then i could lend it to you afterwards but i don't know it it, it feels like we're it we're at a time where it's in a really inefficient in nintendo's case it's, it feels like a really inefficient halfway point and i'd way prefer to be wholly on one side or the other just because i quite like that consistency yeah. Um, and it's a bit weird how I've got a lot of my backlog digitally and a lot of it just sitting in discs um, on my shelf behind me. It's a bit strange. So I, I, right, you're kind of straddling the line right yeah. now. We're, we're neither in one pool nor the other. Um, you know, so 
yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. He does kind of mention, uh, you know, the new 3DS and whether it would be uh, a good idea to start going digitally there. I, I'm kind of curious as to how they're going to approach new 3DS in terms of, you know, the, the, the system um, and their account system, whether they're going to uh, make any steps forward with it or not. Um, honestly, I would just uh, kind of wait and feel it out and, and see what they're doing with it before uh, deciding one way or another. But uh, it's certainly a thing that could be possible, um, no doubt. So. Yeah, and and I would say that you know getting a large SD card is certainly a much cheaper proposition than, for example, a hard drive on Wii U. Uh, I have a 32 gig SD card in my 3DS, and I know that that's going to serve me for a while. Like I have Phoenix Wright Dual Destinies, I've got Animal Crossing on there, bunch of you know Virtual Console and Ambassador games, and uh, I'm I'm still nowhere near the capacity. So. Um, yeah, yeah. If I, I, was, I would say that if you are going on a handheld, then just having a large SD card is is great. Just, just for everything digital, uh, not just retail stuff. So, it's pretty. I mean, uh, I just, I, I just sunk nineteen and a half hours into Link's Awakening, and I think that game is like fifty six megabytes. Yeah, or something <laughs> it, ridiculously it'll small. It'll be tiny. Just think, like, it's crazy how it's all just put in perspective. Or my Assassin's Creed 4 download was like 17 gigabytes. And yeah. I've played about the same amount of time, just a few hours more maybe. It's just crazy how storage has just become such an issue digitally. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I think that that's, uh, that's a good time to call it for our emails. Uh, thank you once again, everyone, for sending those in. We will need some more, however, so you can hit us up at our email address, which Bali shall tell you about right now. nyppquestions at gmail.com And we look forward to hearing more from you and from some, some more new people. We had some new uh, listeners writing in this time, so that's uh, great stuff, and uh, we look forward to more of that. So, uh, we are going to take a break, but uh, join us again, because... You're feeling musical? To... Um, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to rock and roll, Bally. We're, uh, we're going to return to a good old jukebox segment, so don't go anywhere. We shall be right back. Welcome back to the third and final segment of our show, and this week sees the return of uh, a segment that we said we would uh, return to, so uh, here we are. It's the Jukebox, and uh, I am going to now hand over the hosting duties to Bali, because he is in charge Oh boy, responsibilities. Right, here we go. Well, okay, so, I laid down the gauntlet last time, MBZ. You did. Are you ready for our first song? Uh, before we start, do you want to explain what we're actually doing? Oh yeah, doing that's a good people, point. For people who haven't there listened There will be before. some people who don't know what we're talking about. So, <laughs> I'm going to play a song from a video game to MBZ, and the aim of the game is he has to guess what game that song is from. Now, I scored a big whopping 5 out of 5 last time, and now I've got 5 brand new songs lined up from video games that MBZ has definitely played because okay. I looked at his backlogger. Oh no! 
and got these games. And this is very good. Right, yeah. So these are games he's he's played and is there any more I need to say, MPC? Uh, you can tell the listeners to feel free to play along at yeah, home. Yeah, play along, um, score at home, uh, send your answers to nypppquestions at gmail.com, tell us how you did. Uh, you can also tweet us, you can tweet us. And tweet us, um, we will tell you our handles later, but yeah. for now, MBZ, are you ready for song number one? Let's listen. Well, Valley, that was, uh, that was an interesting choice. Uh, really had good. me going at the beginning. I, yeah, no, it, it was good. It's, it's a good song. It's, uh, it's an enjoyable it's one. quite a long intro, so yeah, you did seem a bit flummoxed by the intro. Right, there's, there's a lot of kind of instrumentation going, there's a lot of build-up happening. Uh, when it hit like the main kind of melodic uh, center of, of that song, I did get it. It kind of hit me instantly. I was like, ah, I, I'm pretty sure this is it. But I was thinking like at the beginning, it gave me like a Donkey Kong Jungle Beat kind of vibe going on. I was thinking yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was something chat. around there. Um, but I believe there are two possibilities here, and I'm going to go okay. with the one which makes the most sense. Uh, is this Rayman Legends? Yes, correct. Excellent. This I is... was I was going to uh you know my other option was Rayman Origins but obviously Origins. that wasn't released on uh Nintendo platforms so uh Yeah, Origins. I could that that would have been a bit harsh maybe I don't know but you, you certainly have played both. Um yeah, yeah, that that song is called Castle Invaded I I think. Mm, so Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Very good. Uh well so done. yeah. Yeah, uh, Rayman Legends is a great game. It's a, it's a really fun uh, 2D platformer. Um, and it's also very notable for its music because it has uh, those very specific music levels in it, right? Where, uh, yeah. uh, like, there's Black Betty, which is the, the kind of the starter one. It has an Eye of the Tiger, like, Spanish version of Eye of the Tiger. And um, those levels are really cool because you're basically platforming to the music. You know, when the when the drum beats happen and you're jumping and you're, like, sliding and, and it all works in sync it's it's uh yeah it's like a it's like a symphony i guess uh of, of platforming and music yeah really definitely well. a game i've not played but definitely one i want to try um and you ha- quite handily have the disc so i could nab that off you you could do at some point um although yeah. i am quite bogged 
down in 2D platformers right now. So um... Well, I'll tell you that <laughs> Rayman does stand out from the crowd uh, as far as those go. I think that it would be a bit of a, fre- a breath of fresh air for you. Just, he controls very differently to kind of your traditional uh, platforming characters. And just the way the levels are set up and, and the kind of uh, the stuff that they do. And the, the art style is just gorgeous, man. This game, it's a really beautiful game. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that despite the fact you've played quite a few recently, it still would uh, you know, still would hit the mark, no doubt. Definitely, Definitely on my to-do list. Awesome. Well, we're one out of one. All right. And we said, are you ready? All right. Not too for bad. Song number two. I, I am. Let's uh, let's take a crack. Right. Let's listen. Okay, so <laughs> I don't have any answer for this really? whatsoever. Uh. Uh, there was a point in the song where something almost triggered for me, but it didn't follow through. And okay, so I'm thinking about like the system this would be on. I was starting to think like it's probably something eight bit. It's probably something you know classic, right? But then it started. You know, a lot of the instrumentation in there was starting to get a bit complex and <laughs> a lot more, lot more nuanced. And and yeah, I, I was like, okay, so it probably it, it feels like some sort of retro modern game, and that's kind of where I am with it. I I, I feel like I need some sort of hint here to get me going. Is there anything, <laughs> any tidbit, any tip that you can drop, Bally, to maybe? It certainly put me on a path? is. A, you could argue a retro modern game. Oh, that really helps. Thanks. <laughs> Just confirm my own thoughts, Bally. Uh, God, let me think. Is there anything that I can get? It's uh, a, how about this? It's a game I've played. What? Shall I keep going? What? How is this helping? Um, it's a game we've played together. You're confusing me even more at this okay. point. I, I don't even know. <laughs> Bali, look, I'm just going to take the hit. I'm going to be wrong. You're going to take the hit? You see, I... Okay, so the answer is... You ready for the answer? You don't want to re- guess, right? I'm ready. The answer is Nintendo Land. This is the Octopus Oh, dance. I totally should have guessed that. I Why? thought this was a bit of a softball, personally. I did. Okay, so... You the made me that, worried that for the other ones I've chosen now. <laughs> I, the, the reason that isn't is because the Octopus game is one of the f- like least played games of that my copy of true. Nintendo Land. That For me, true. the soundtrack of Nintendo Land is the main menu and the DK Crash Course. If you give me DK Crash Course, oh, I'd yeah, have been but... in there like a bullet. But no, that's you, had to, just you had to make it hard. You had to make it the, hard for me. The Bally. reason I chose this was that it, 
the whole point of the game is about the song and the speed of the song. Mm. And on the segment we just listened to, it does actually speed up, and then it has that section of da, 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 between yeah. the, the two segments where you have like a little oh, right. breather. That's what that was. So yeah. I don't know. I thought put it all together, and he's got a chance of getting it. But anyway, that was. <sighs> that yeah. really was on the tip of my tongue as well. Nintendo Land was kind of it crossed my mind, and then it kind of went out again. I mean, I did um, want to maybe use one of the themes from something like Crash Course or Zelda or Metroid, but then I would have thought that you might have fallen for those individual games, right? Yeah, and because with yeah. our format, we're only listening to a single song. You maybe sure. you might have, but I don't know. All right. Anyway, well, it's, it's definitely this it's is a, a first. This it's, is it's a first. A, yeah, it's, it's Nintendo Land. Let's talk about the music in Nintendo Land. I think it's pretty good. I think it's it's got a it's got that feel about it, especially the main menu music for Nintendo Land. It very much has like the eShop music, Wii menu music feel to it. Uh, kind of goes along with that vibe, and I'm a big fan of that stuff. I think really that stuff great. great music in this game, and so many fresh remixes for all the individual games from Pikmin to Metro to Zelda. It's all got the main themes of those franchises in there and they've not just ripped the song directly they've genuinely given it some oomph and remixed it and you're right the original music in nintendo land like the menus the startup um music before the game's even begun it's all really really well mastered yeah no doubt it is yeah it's it's pretty great um yeah, I, t- I tell you what, like, uh, you, you could have given me Mario Chase, could have given me the Luigi's Mansion, I would have been in there like a bullet, but the Octopus game? Man, that's a toughie. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a good choice. It was a good choice. A very uh, fun song. All right. Uh, excellent stuff, Bally. How about you try and destroy my uh, my streak even more with a third song? Let's, <laughs> okay. Let's Here go we ahead. go. Song number Bally, 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 you're a sneaky <laughs> bastard, I tell you what. <laughs> You've seen right through me. You've seen right through me. I so think. so this sort of song began, I was like, that's weird. He's just given me like the easiest song in history. And then it and then it did a weird thing where it wasn't that song, and I was like, okay, okay, alright, well, there's only one other thing it could be then, and then, you know, the fidelity was definitely not as high as what you would expect from the system that that song originally comes on. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, uh, my first thought was Wind Waker, right? Yeah. Wind Waker's the Great Sea, or, or whatever it's called. Um, but uh, clearly, it, it has to be Phantom Hourglass. 
Yes, this is Phantom Hourglass, and it, the theme tune is still called The Great Sea, although, of course, it is a Phantom Hourglass take on The Great right, Sea. Right, it's a remix of that. Yeah, it and... I don't think I've heard that in quite a long time. It's, it's yeah. not really familiar to my ears, but it's a, it's a nice kind of deviation, I feel. Like, I had tune. my issues with Phantom Hourglass, but one of the, the music was definitely not one of them. I I really enjoyed the remixes on that from Wind Waker, and just obviously Wind Waker is my favourite game and to remix all the songs from that I thought worked really well in the game um, but yeah glad you saw right through my dastardly plan because <laughs> <laughs> I thought let's get something from a Zelda game what could I get and then I don't know I thought of this for some reason yeah well Phantom Hourglass is definitely a flawed game but I think it is a lot of fun still and um, you know that that music does lend itself because it is you know essentially the same kind of areas you're going through you're still riding across the sea and it's still it's pretty impressive as a DS game that was able to pull off that kind of scope you know it may not look the greatest but it worked for the the aesthetic that it was trying for and um, you know I'm I'm a fan of, of what it was doing so so yeah Phantom Hourglass is great. Like it. Was there a brief period of time between the the start of the song, which is so Wind Waker, and the trumpets coming in, where you were kind of like, "I'm stuck. What? What's happened?" Like, and then you realise, "Oh wait, okay, there's Phantom Hourglass." It, it, or was it, was, it very seamless? Yeah, I mean, it was like maybe the splittest of seconds, but then, <laughs> but then it just it was like, yeah, I mean, the, this is obviously Wind Waker, but it's obviously not Wind Waker. So, what is obviously Wind Waker, but is obviously not Wind Waker? There's only one game, and yeah. of course, Phantom Hourglass. So, yeah, made a lot of sense. I think you know, the Phantom Hourglass uh, you know, made people angry for some people with the touchscreen controls and everything, but. Um, yeah, as you said, you can't really dispute the music. It's still still top-notch stuff, as Zelda uh, always is. So, Excellent. All right. Well, Valley, I think on that to it's, song time, four. it's time to go on to the fourth edition here. So let's take a listen. somber tune isn't it it's, uh, it's a very uh, kind of calm not calming that's not really the word for it is it? it's very uh, kind of melancholic uh, song there um, hmm this is this is uh, not bringing anything in particular to mind for me 
Um, it does kind of have a JRPG feel to it. It seems like uh, the sort of 16-bit JRPG kind of um, low point in the game song or in a dungeon or even a little bit of a Metroid-y element coming in there. So it may have that as well. So it's, I'm, I'm kind of trying to think here and pull straws as to where this comes from. Um, it does seem... Yeah, it definitely seems to be either GBA or Super Nintendo is what I'm, you know, picking through. Any any kind of hint that you can lead me on here, Bally? <laughs> once again, I, I love try. I love remaining silent and seeing what it's, you're going to go for. It's it's not fun to remain silent, Bally. <laughs> you know, Radio Trivia they have a, a hint question. Uh, uh, to well, people out. okay. So, well, the more we describe the nature of the song, the closer I feel we get to the game you're looking for. Wow. Okay. Because you so, you wanted you were saying like it's sort of creepy, and then you were saying yeah. it's eerie, and I feel like the more you go into words like that, you get closer and closer to to what what this game is known for. Well, interesting. Dark and creepy and but eerie. I'm really, I really don't want to go further than that. No, I mean you know it's it's good to. You know, lead me into my <laughs> middle of nowhere. Look, look like an idiot. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think. You know, in terms of those sort of games, Nintendo games, there aren't many that kind of are very creepy and scary and and disturbing and weird. And I don't really play that many of them. And I think the closest I can come to is something like a, a Super Metroid or a, or something along those lines. Um, and I just, I'm not sure. I'm going to, I'm going to say Super Metroid, and I, it's probably wrong, but it is it's the best guess I have right now. Is so. that your final answer? It is, Bally. How about you reveal it? Correct. Wow. It All is right. Super Metroid. That is the Meridia theme. Oh, it is as well. Yeah. Now I think about it. Yeah, it, it is. I, th- it's I thought once you were describing it and you were saying it was so eerie and and I, and then sort of linking Nintendo to eerie, I was like, oh, Metroid, <laughs> you're so on it. Like, you're so on it. So, yeah, great guess. Yeah, well, we, we both uh, completed Super Metroid for the first time this year. Yeah. Um, so it should, should have been more in my mind. Although... To be honest, when I was playing through it, I did have the sound off a lot of the time. Oh, uh, really? I, it all comes I mean, out first, now. <laughs> right. The first time I played through it, I didn't because I would played through a majority of the game on the Wii Virtual Console, and I could never get past Ridley. But, you know, this time I just went from the beginning and, and, and went for it. And, uh, yeah, now that you mention it, it is the Meridia song yeah, that does I went does, for uh, bring it back sort now. of the most obscure... Not the most obscure, but not one of the main songs. I wanted mm. something a bit more interesting or eerie, and there's not. I mean, there's not a whole n- lot of number of notes played in that song. It's very no. It's very sparse and sure. It's very downbeat, know, definitely. Very downbeat. So yeah, I think that that encapsulates quite, quite a lot of the feel of you know this series and this game. Um, though you know, Super Metroid definitely known for some of its more up uh, up tempo. Uh, tunes such as Ridley's Hideout, which is probably uh, our favorite, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say. Exactly, and uh, there's so many song. areas of the game. I think the very f- 
first area of the game, I seem to remember that there's hardly any music, if any at all. Yeah, so it's it, much more atmosphere. There's a lot and, of just sound effects at times. Yeah, kind of sounds going on. Yeah, like whistles and beeps. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, it was a good choice, Bali, definitely, and had me squirming there trying to figure it out. But I'm really, I'm really happy I actually did. Cause, yeah, uh, great. Managed, managed to kind of, uh, you know, work my my ideas out. I'm and, sure uh, obscure Metroid songs will become a theme of this uh, oh, segment. Oh dear. Well, I'm gonna try <laughs> and trip each other so over, aren't we? Yeah. Well, uh, I guess that we uh, are going to move on to our last song. So let's uh, take a listen. Song five. Bali, you are out for my blood today. I tell you, <laughs> that I, tell was, you. I, I, yeah, okay, right. I'll. That was. This is tough. This is this is tough. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this is very chirpy. It's very uh very kind of um light and uh and very old school. So I'm 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 jumping between. I'm I'm thinking more Game Boy. Honestly, it sounds more like Game Boy chip cheeps and chirps than NES. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, that that seems to be the line that I'm I'm going down. Um, definitely something platformy. I feel something that makes sense there. Um, and yeah, I, it's it's a tough one. That that's not something that sticks out to me as as a memorable song in any way. So um, would you like so. a hint? Yeah, totally, Bali. So How about a hint? it's. If you listen carefully, there's not it, there's lo- plenty of notes in there that are actually quite modern sounds, and I think okay. that this track is trying to sound quite retro. When deliberately, deliberately. <laughs> what are you doing to me? <laughs> oh man, so. So then we're kind of looking along the lines lines of like an, an eShop title, some kind of indie, more. Um, it's a Nintendo game. Okay. Oh, jeez. It's a Nintendo game. That's. This is this is you're a bastard. Like, you are a. <laughs> you are a bastard. I hope you've not been playing this game with sound off. <laughs> I look. You know, sometimes that happens, and uh, it's it's not much I can do. Bally, I I I really don't have a clue. I am going to have to just 
let you take it away. So, in the same way on the last song, the more words you used to describe it, I felt the closer you'd get. I, th- I think you can apply that to this song as well. So, it's chirpy. Yeah. It's not an ancient game. It's I'll reveal it's on the DS. The DS, okay. Are you any closer? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, uh, wait. Okay, let me just throw out some random things. Uh, Kirby's Canvas Curse, uh, Yoshi's Touch and Go. Do you want me to say uh, when it's right? Or uh, <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's go Kirby's Canvas Curse. That makes the most sense. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Correct. Wow, oh my this God. Is <laughs> what, is, what is up with that? Jeez. Kirby and the Canvas Curse, and this is Frozen Fantasy. Oh my god. So, yeah, I'll admit that was quite obscure. That was really um, fucking harsh valley. Yeah, Come that was, I see I I looked back on my first four and I thought he's going to get all four of those pimps. I need to throw in like a really dastardly one like just an extra thing, but um I wasn't predicting the issues with the octopus dance, you see. The octopus dance threw me for a loop, <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, so but yeah, and it was mean of me to go for quite an obscure song in a specific world in that game when there's, I think, like eight worlds, for example. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was I hoping mean... you'd. I don't know. I was hoping you'd work out that they're all. It was kind of cold sounding. Right. And right. Like, it, does, it does definitely have a little bit of a tinker about like, it, certainly. It's got a winter feel to it. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Kirby Canvas Curse, um, I, I did, as I've mentioned before, play through it in a weekend back when I was like 14, 15, or how old I was. Okay, maybe that's a bit um, And I, I, I guess I do remember listening to the music. I did actually um, play through it again quite recently, um, and I don't re- recall like listening to it that much. It is, for me, one of those games that works well with podcasts, because it is just a simple platformer. The sounds aren't really necessary. If I was to have it on, I'd have it at a kind of a lower volume, um, so the music hasn't really stuck out to me. Do you, do you remember much of the music of Canvas Curse in general? Yeah, I remember the style more so than the specific songs. Right, like, no individual I, ones stick out, really. Yeah, I like. I could, I could pretend to myself that I would have gotten that, but I probably wouldn't. Have. <laughs> um, but I, I always play, almost always play games with the the volume on, especially if it's my first run through through a game. It'll always have the sound on. Yeah, um, for Definitely. me personally. Um, awesome. But yeah, no, Canvas Curse is a great game. I'm dead excited for the bloody name I keep Rainbow forgetting. Curse Rainbow Valley. Curse. Wow, it I is just your can't. curse to I, not knowing the My curse, curse of the rainbows is that I can't remember Rainbow Curse. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but anyway. Awesome. <sighs> well, um, looks like I somehow managed to scrounge four out of five there, Bali. Four not, out of five. Not Good quite sure effort. how I did, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it somehow, somehow happened. So, uh, there we go. Uh, of course, listeners, you can let us know how you did uh, in this uh, competition. Competition? This trivia-based, <laughs> trivia music-based thingamy that we do called the Jukebox. Uh, you can tweet at us. Uh, Bali, what is your Twitter? My Twitter is at Ballyman91, B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. That is also my name on the Meverse. I was posting plenty about um, Link's Awakening. Um 
I guess now I'm going to move on to Super Mario World, so I should be posting a bit about that. Excellent, and you can tweet me as well. I'm at LordNBZ. I'm also LordNBZ on Miiverse, and you will see some uh, pictures of Bayonetta in compromising positions on my Miiverse page, most likely. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you can go and check those out if you are so inclined. Uh, in any case, I think that uh, we are pretty much uh, going to close out the show. Um, it's been a fun one. It's been uh, some good stuff. So I think I'm going to be in the hot seat next time for the jukebox as well. Oh, I look, Bally. After this, after this <laughs> it's going to be revenge, is it? Oh, it's God. revenge. It's revenge <laughs> of the jukebox. Just you wait. Oh, uh, we'll be back for for some difficult picks, um, <laughs> and I uh, hope uh, hope you guys will look forward to that. But uh, that is going to be us uh, for now. Thank you very much for listening. Um, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. That's uh, that's a great thing to do. Uh, we're we're there all the time. It's a good place to listen to us, and uh, I hope you do that. Uh, but that is going to be it so we'll see you in uh, a couple of weeks time with another episode of this until then thank you very much for listening goodbye interludes used in today's show were Tomorrow is Mine from Bayonetta 2, copyright 2014, Sega, Nintendo and Platinum Games, and Taltal Heights from The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, copyright 1993, Nintendo. Me too. Me too, D2. R2, R2, me too. You, you, 3PO. Nope, 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 you tried, nope. Not, not having that one. That's not. Nope. Mm-mm. Darth Vader. You know, like me and you, and then they. Really? I thought really? That was quite good. You think I can speak German? You think I know German? No, I, I wasn't speaking German. Isn't Vader a German word? Is it? I swear, Vader is a German word. Oh, Vader. Yeah. That, yeah. That's... Darth Father. Ah, spoilers! I'd never worked that out before. Did you not know that? Wow. No. Right. And it's not Vader. It's like Fater. Fater. It is Fater. You're a Fater. (laughs) You smell. (laughs) I don't like your smell.